Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. The most important thing was... I mean, I, I know this sounds like a cliche, but self-care in some ways. And for me, self-care is letting myself indulge when I needed to. And this year is the year that I'm going to be a mom. And so I need to do what I need to do to, you know, feel great about that. My name is Esprit Devora host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. This week's Women in Tech podcast episodes are powered by Strayer University. Strayer University is the go-to place to get your MBA online. You can get your entire MBA via Facebook. What? Yes, it's true. And they have incredible video content to learn from, amazing instructors, a powerful leadership team, Strayer. Check them out at strayer.edu. Thank you, Strayer, for believing in women in tech. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast here in Seattle, Washington at Microsoft Build. Yes, celebrating women in tech around the world. And today I have Amanda. Hi. Amanda. <laughs> Told you I got bubbly. I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> so Amanda, first, go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm Amanda Silver. I'm the director of program management at Microsoft working on the developer tools. So I work on Visual Studio and VS Code and basically the developer platform for Microsoft. And now we have a, a large span of people who listen from people that um, are just getting involved in technology to super seasoned people. So real sure. quick, can you walk us through um, your tools, how they serve developers? Yeah. So, I mean, our tools are used by a huge variety of developers. The Visual Studio itself has about 6 million monthly users yeah. and Visual Studio Code has about 3.5 million yeah. monthly users. Yeah. So if you think about the total population of developers in the world for professional developers, that's estimated to be about maybe 10, 11 million. We have a large portion of them using our tools. But that's just professional developers. If yeah. you included all of the non-professional developers in the world, that's probably a much larger number. That's more like 25 million, maybe yeah. larger. And so we have a lot of students that use our products. And basically, if you're writing code, then then you would use one of these products. And how long have you been in technology? How long have I been in tech specifically? 
you know, I majored in computer science and as an undergraduate. And then once I graduated, I got a job at Microsoft and I've been working at Microsoft oh the whole time. I interviewed <laughs> someone else that found Microsoft out. It's, quite, oh, really? it's yeah, kind yeah. of amazing. Microsoft kind of does that. The, you know, I think, I think they really have a strong recruiting program. And so, you know, I've actually been at the company for almost 17 years Whoa, at this point. Wait, I, know. I thought Nicole like <laughs> won with her 16 years. No, 17 years for oh me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you yeah. look so young. Like oh, I would never <laughs> think it. Um, okay, so going back to the beginning, when you were a kid, did you have technology in your home? Well, I was actually telling this story a little bit earlier this week. Um, my dad is a theoretical physicist, and so I was raised in Los Alamos, New Mexico. That's where I was born. We moved to Santa Fe later. But when I was growing up, he was, since basically I could learn to talk, he was trying to teach me math. And so, you know, I would sit on his lap, and he would give me math problems you know, asking me, his line was like, you have three oranges, a gorilla comes along and takes two of your oranges, how many do you have left? And so that's how I got into math and, and science at yeah. that point. And then later on, it became technology. And I started coding on his Unix systems that he had from work and his IBM uh, so to learn cool. basic. And then when I went into high school, I started taking computer science in high school. And then when I went to college, I took the intro to CS class. So my dad, <laughs> I, my first laptop was a ThinkPad IBM. Yeah. And my dad got me into tech too. And I noticed... I just noticed that when we have tech in our in our homes as kids, it's there's a higher likelihood we'll pursue tech later. I find it interesting. We were sharing before we started recording that your daughter's girlier than you. Yeah. And I was having this conversation um, with someone this past week who also has two kids about um, her the differences between her daughter and her son. Yeah. So okay. I interviewed someone in Dunedin, New Zealand. She shared with me that she noticed that the toys given to children were um, girls got like mirrors and guys got something interactive like a car. Right. And I'm like, oh, I never even thought about that before. That's interesting. And then so I was talking to this woman last week sharing this story. And she said, you know, I think it's ingrained. I said, do you notice a difference between your daughter and your son? She's like, you know, my daughter just gravitates to more daydreaming things, artistic, and my son just naturally gravitates to more interactive things. But she's like, what I notice is they teach each other about one another's worlds. I was like, yeah. do you think it's something that we're born with that we what we gravitate to? Or do you think it's society like the mirror and the... I think yeah. there's a little bit of both in what I've seen with my children, right? It's I can't generalize to all children because you're not, I mean, I'm not an anthropologist and yeah. so I'm not, I'm not really studying this as a science, but, but from what I've observed from my kids, you know, with my son, we tried to be not very gender conforming as right. much as we could right. and kind of tried to let him explore, sow his wild oats and explore yeah. his, his space. And he naturally gravitated towards cars, yeah. but at the same time, he's four and a half now. And if you were to ask him, you know, what are his favorite things in the world? He'd say cars. And the thing that I like better than cars are unicorns. And the thing that I like better than unicorns are Care Bears. He says so that. He says that. Interesting. And so he's, you know, he's a very flamboyant kid, yeah. um, very, very, you know, self-assured and yeah. kind of, you know, expressive. And he loves cars, but I think he also loves things that are, he loves pink and purple and other things like that. And my daughter, you know, I think when, when she was born, we were also very like, we don't want to give her gender conforming right 
toys. And obviously my son had a lot of cars around the house at that point. And she loves playing with cars. She, you know, really loves it. But she also loves wearing bracelets and tutus. And, you know, my sister, I remember when we were growing up, I was definitely more of a tomboy. I remember my sister had a tea party when she was um, for her four-year-old birthday. And... (laughs) Everybody, all the little girls show up in their little tea party dresses. And I had this huge fight with my mom about I didn't want to wear a dress. So we compromised and I wore jeans and a Mozart shirt. Like, you remember that Seinfeld episode where he's wearing like the poet's shirt? I do kind of. Yeah, so it looked like that shirt. Yeah. I'm wearing that to the tea party. But anyways, getting back to the math thing and my dad, you know, my, my sister... Didn't go into tech. I was de- That's what I was going to um, ask you. Yeah, yeah, she didn't go into tech. And, and in fact, I remember when she was trying to learn algebra in high school, she was really struggling with it. And I was trying to tutor her at the time with it. And, and there were just, there were things that like she just, I could not explain to her. And I couldn't explain why I couldn't explain yeah. it to her. And so I do think there are some differences. I just don't think that it's... It's strictly binary. It's not black and white. Right. Because a lot of people look to me because of the Women in Tech podcast to say, hey, what's that commonality all the women you interview have? And I I like to, for the truth is the commonality is it seems like a lot of us have had technology in our childhood. And then it just, I'm just curious. I'm like, I wonder if we're built this way. I wonder, I don't know. You know, I'm constantly exploring My daughter has an amazing ability in terms of spatial recognition. And a lot of people say that the, the, the toys like cars and other things like that actually teach you spatial recognition because you're basically, you know, taking an object and moving it over space and you have to kind of calculate, you know, what does that look like? What's the space that I have to navigate and things like that? I mean, I don't know if there's any truth to this or not, um, but she she can, you know, if she's lost in a maze or the equivalent of a maze, she can find her way out of it. No problem. So, so. Cool. what is your favorite thing about your job? You know, I always say that my job is kind of like a mix between computer science and anthropology and that um, what I do is I study how people use tools and technology so that I can build better tools for them. Um, and so what I try to teach my team is that everything has to be basically inquiry based. So, you know, we don't just go and come up with fantastic ideas for technology. We do it based on observing and studying our subjects, our our customers or our users and try to understand what their core pain points are and then kind of work backwards from there. So what I love about my job in some ways is that You know, working on developer tools allows me to stay current with what's the latest technology trends. You know, if it's this year, it's AI. Everybody's, you know, crazy about AI. Also, blockchain is the other thing that everybody's crazy about. Um, (laughs) But I have an awesome excuse to go understand what those technologies are because I have users who want to use those technologies. So how can I build the best tools for them? But on top of it, not only do I get to stay current in technology and get that really deep base of understanding, but I also get this amazing feedback loop from my users that tell me whether or not we're onto the right thing. So that's really satisfying. And I love asking moms this. How do you balance being a, um, a superstar tech professional and a family person? Can you have both? Do you believe we can have both? <laughs> well, I'm incredibly lucky. I mean, I, first of all, I have a female partner. And um, I think that that automatically 
kind of changes some of the dynamics at home in that, you know, there's not an expectation that I would be do, taking on a, a larger portion of the oh, home homework, so right? Interesting. Um, so it kind of starts yeah. just from the get-go in the, com- in, in the relationship. Yeah. It starts from an assumption of equality, but then from there, then it's really more about who has what schedule, right? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, she's a public defender and she's an attorney that represents homeless kids and other things like that. So she also has a pretty demanding job. But, you know, this afternoon I, I have podcasts and <laughs> then I have to go home at four because she has a meeting that she has to go to. So we just make it work. So many times people say it's not possible to have it all. It's not possible to have your, you have to pick, you have to pick work or you have to pick family or you have to pick this. I mean, even my mom emailed me last week. You have to pick whether you like to travel or whether you're an entrepreneur. I'm like, why do I have to pick? (laughs) Right, right, right. And so, and I felt a lot of pressure. And then I started thinking about the pressure that we have as a society to conform to what other people's viewpoints are of how we should live. And I'm like, wait, but how is it that I want to live? Well, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of times especially when parents do that, I think they're projecting on you what their regrets were in their own life, right? And I think that what I try to do is to kind of check in with myself every couple of years yeah. and see if I'm still happy with the balance. You That's know, nice. I, I need, you know, at this point, like I have two very young children. And so obviously that's a huge portion of my free time. Um, but travel is definitely a major, you know, desire in my life. And so I'm now treat, feeling a lot of the travel itch and I felt it last year. So when I had maternity leave, Microsoft has a really fantastic new maternity leave policy and, and basically Basically, I got six months of maternity life. I know, right? That's crazy. It's, it's That's nuts. so cool. But um, it, you should because you should be able to bond with your child. Yeah. yeah. So what was amazing about that was I took the first four months and then the third month of that, we went to Hawaii with my dad yeah. and just spent it in Hawaii, which was amazing for postpartum depression. Like that yeah. is the cure. Um, go to Hawaii if you can, yeah. if you have the means. Um, and then, and then I took the last two months later in the summer when my daughter was more like a year old, yeah. and we went to Spain. Wait, okay, and <laughs> and we could cut this out if you sure. like to cut it out, but. You mentioned postpartum depression. Yeah. Did you have that? I think I definitely did. Because I, I hear don't... that women don't talk about, like, it, it's not known how common it actually is. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I am not a very feeling person to begin yeah. with. And I didn't really feel any kind of hormonal surges going into, into pregnancy. And the whole experience was exactly how I expected it to be, except post postpartum depression was kind of the surprise. Like I knew that the pregnancy was going to be easy. My strategy was denial. I was in denial until I was in labor. And then, and like literally the doctor said to me, Amanda, you're going to have a baby. You need to get on board. I was like in labor. So I finally did. (laughs) And then, um, the labor itself was relatively easy. First of all, you have all the hormones that make you forget half of it. But then secondly, the epidural sure helped a lot. But then breastfeeding, I knew was going to be the hardest part for me. And it definitely was. And that just kind of contributes to the postpartum depression too. So yeah, that was, it was definitely tough. I don't think I knew at the time that I was there, but I definitely was there. The reason I ask, and it's very specific is because when we're pursuing this life in technology, uh, for me being a founder and for you working in the development world, it's like, there's these consistent choices on how we manage our personal life and how our personal life impacts our professional life. And, right. and it's this 
tug of war of like where to let go, where to play up. And, and when you're dealing with really serious things and also very natural occurrences like breastfeeding yeah. and then postpartum, I'm sure it affects like the choices you make in your professional life in the sense of like, okay, how am I going to get back on track so I can be the professional I want to be? We're, we're both ambitious. Totally. So we prioritize yeah. performing at the optimum state. And so right. something like postpartum depression or even breastfeeding or whatever. It's like an unplanned thing. Or wanting to sleep in. No, can't yeah. sleep in today. <laughs> we need to be our warrior self, right, you know? Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally, yeah. totally. So how do you... What did you do or how do you do to combat so you can perform to the level that you want to perform? What resources did you access to ground yourself, really? Well, I think... If it's okay for me to ask. Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, that's what this is all about, right? I think for me, the most important thing was... I mean, I I know this sounds like a cliche, but self-care in some ways. And for me, self-care is letting myself indulge in, in... when I needed to. So like, you know, there's the pressure to get back to your perfect body right as soon as you have the baby. Right. And so was I going to like essentially diet while you're trying to breastfeed or are you going to let yourself eat what you need to eat to make the milk you need to make for your baby? So like I was having peanut butter pretzels every day and it was awesome and I gained 20 pounds and like, that's okay. You know, I'm now working it off and you know, that was a decision that I made. But you know, there's also just things like going to Hawaii is an extravagance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you have to have this attitude of like, I've worked hard for where I am yeah. today. And this year is the year that I'm going to, you know, be be a mom and and figure that out. And so I need to do what I need to do to, you know, feel great about that. And then coming back to work, I was really lucky in that I had a very supportive set of managers one of whom is a woman and so understands also kind of where I was coming from. But, you know, I went when I went back, I went back part-time for a month, half-time Which each, is self-care. Which is partially self-care because for me, it allowed me to have low expectations at home because I was trying to get back to work and low expectations at work because I was trying to readjust. And so it gave me the room that I needed. But then even once you get back, you also have this pumping thing that you have to take care of, you know, twice a day at work. It's like, how do you carve time out of your day for that? I mean, I am booked like eight to six most days. Right. So it's like, you're like, you... a, you're like on a Skype call with no video pumping. Dude, it's totally true. <laughs> it's totally true. I mean, again, Microsoft has yeah. amazing benefits, but we have these amazing rooms where, where we have sinks and we have, they have provide breast pumps for you. And so you don't have to oh, carry wow. everything. There's a refrigerator. Like Microsoft has tried to be as, as woke as they can be. Yeah. Um, you know, they still have a ways to go, but, but they're making a lot of progress. Yeah. I mean, some companies aren't taking any action at all. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's that was amazing. And it's like having a resource like that available to you makes you just so much more comfortable and confident. And I remember I would even have meetings in other buildings at Microsoft that didn't have those resources available. And it was just hard, like a lot harder to plan my day because I didn't have that. So that's it's pretty amazing. But yes, half the time I was either watching a video or reading on something or I was literally attending a meeting when I was uh, while I was pumping. I, I don't think anybody at work knows that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've heard of, I've heard of things like this before, and I think it's so funny. But the, the, my biggest takeaway from our conversation, and what I think is so important to everybody listening, 
is it is okay to be human and be awesome at work. Yeah. Um, you can you can have both and it's about I think that's the only that. way. I mean, I yeah. think I think, you know, for me when I was first starting out, I was really trying to keep a distance between my work life and my home life. And and I would say in some ways I wasn't necessarily being my authentic self at work. Because I was trying to, I didn't know how Microsoft worked, right? right? And I didn't really know how to be successful at Microsoft at the time. And so I was kind of, you know, it's all trial and error until you figure it out. And over time, as I figured out what success looked like, uh, I could be more confident and be more authentic. What does success look like to you? That's, I think, a constant struggle. Yeah. you know, there's always just being valued and recognized for the contributions that you're making. And in some ways, that's that's kind of the most important thing to kind of have a balance between the recognition that you're getting right. and the contributions that you're making. I think right. that's at the core of, of feeling value for yourself. Right. Um, but for me in particular, you know, I'm not necessarily motivated by money or fame or... Right. Well, we should just stop the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. Not what drives me. Like what drives me is really trying. To, you know, I we I have a very unique job in the industry in that um, Microsoft's uh, business aspirations align with my personal mission, which is to basically bring more people into tech. And so, you know, for me. A large portion, very large portion of the tools that we build, we give away for free. And so that means that there are a lot of people who might not have the means to access professional developer tools who can get access to this, can get access to all of the, you know, online material that we produce in terms of videos and training and other things like that, and can basically make a livelihood out of what we're producing. So the idea that I can, you know, bring more diversity into tech and therefore make tech work for more people, um, that's what really drives me. I hear that often that what resonates for us is a company that has a mission that we align with. Yeah. 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 And so I think for everybody either thinking about switching careers or, you know, embarking on their career for the first time, really paying attention to the company's mission, whether it be a startup or a large company, to make sure it is in alignment with what you, what you want to represent in the world. Right. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why it's you know, it would be challenging for me to work for a company that is primarily an advertising platform or something like that. Yeah. 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 Thank you so yeah. much for sharing. Okay. A couple easy questions. Cool. Uh, your favorite book? Oh, a tough one. Uh, I like Ficciones by Borges. And what is it about? It is a collection of short stories by an author who it's kind of like a mix between uh, magical realism and science fiction. And your favorite tech tool? Favorite tech tool? It could be an app, a website, <laughs> hardware. Oh, well, I mean, I have to give a shout out to um, Sprout, who makes a fantastic app for breastfeeding moms. Oh, nice. <laughs> Tell How does it work? Um, I can bring it up, but basically it allows you... I have two girlfriends breastfeeding right now. Oh, yeah. So basically there's all these different things that you can track. Right? There's a sleep tracker, so you can track when the baby sleeps, the feeding tracker, the pumping tracker, the diaper tracker, activity tracker. Yeah. So in the first few months of the baby's life, like you need to track everything that they eat and all of that kind right. of stuff to make sure that they're making weight but after a couple of months then you just focus on the pumping tracker and you can basically like track 
you know, what your pumping schedule kind of looked like. So I can go and look at, this is like, you know, years ago, but if I were to go back, you can't see it because it's, because I haven't so been using yeah, it in yeah. over a long time, but basically, um, it allows you to track how much you pumped that day. And then, you know, this is one of the reasons why breastfeeding is so challenging is because to produce the amount that you need, you need to kind of keep it up. It's like working out. So you need to like pump for a certain amount a day so that you produce a certain amount a day so that tomorrow you can oh produce gosh. that same amount. And so that's one of the things that's so crazy about it is when you first start, you, it's like hard. Yeah. It doesn't work. And it takes weeks for it to work right. And so getting to the point where you're producing enough that the baby can basically survive on it takes a lot of work. And, and, then, and then even worse is the part afterwards where now you're producing plenty, but the baby is starting to need less because they're eating regular food. So how do you time like coming off of it too? Because then you're just you you're making more. I so. just saw that movie that came out with Charlize Theron. Oh, I didn't see that uh, yet. Tully, Tully, yeah. A whole thing over any Charlize Theron movie I think is great. I think she's a great actress. I thought it was a great movie. However, it was more somber. Yeah, I expected a comedy about motherhood. It was more somber. Really well done though. But so much about breastfeeding and. I mean, it's, so it much. will take over and a your very life. funny scene about like uh, where her boobs got too much milk. Right. Anyway, yeah. we're going to a whole other area <laughs> on this podcast. With that, Amanda, thank you so much for hanging thank out you. with the Women in Tech podcast and sharing your very vulnerable story. I think it's incredibly important to see what goes on that we can truly achieve the life that we want to live. And first, it's raising an awareness of what is the life that we'd like finding thinking about the mission thinking about like do we want kids do we not want kids do we want a partner do we not want a partner do we want to travel do we not want to travel what is it let's invent our dream lifestyle and then let's you know create it to yeah. match yeah let's get and there. do self-care along the way <laughs> because life isn't easy yeah, yeah for sure i will talk to you guys here you guys see you guys in the next episode remember say hello at women in tech show on twitter on facebook on instagram and you could go to the women in tech facebook group at women in tech vip com women in tech vip.com takes you straight to the facebook group so you don't have to ask which one is it out of all the women in tech facebook groups in the world and enjoy the day bye hi this is amanda silver i work at microsoft on developer tools microsoft builds software to empower every person to achieve more i'm based in seattle washington you're listening to women in tech this week's Women in Tech podcast episodes are powered by Strayer University. I'm Sabrina Kopp. I'm the Chief Information Officer at Strayer University. We're willing to try things. We don't work like a traditional academic institution where things come to the board and we're, you know, we're slow to make decisions or we're risk adverse and those types of things. Like we're very willing to try and fail. And I think the footprint in what we're able to do and where we're able to try and the variations of how we try those things are exciting. Check them out at strayer.edu. Thank you, Strayer, for believing in women in tech. I've been interviewing these outstanding women in tech here at Microsoft. It would not be possible if it wasn't with these four incredible men celebrating women in tech around me. Hello, guys. Hey. So tell me what this podcast central is all about. I'm Bharat, and we started this uh, two years ago at every big Microsoft event. Uh, Richard Campbell 
Carl Franklin, uh, Dimitri Lylan, and, and myself, we've been trying to get folks to talk about all different topics of technology and how Microsoft relates to that. It's really an entrepreneurial project within a large corporation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's driven by the heart. It's to attract different storytellers, if we could call podcasters that, mm-hmm. that you all really admire. It's to give women an opportunity to share their stories and their journeys. Mm-hmm. And so you've really all come together to make it possible. Um, so Microsoft Build isn't just another dev corporate tech conference it's a, a place to share a powerful story and have it reach beyond the wall yeah, it's really amazing how much we, we can do sometimes at a big company like microsoft like a lot of us and the company itself really tries to make sure that whatever we're doing we're, we're making sure we're being inclusive both from listening to the people that are outside the company talking to us and making sure that inside the company we have a diverse kind of set of voices and faces coming right. out and talking on podcasts and doing your keynotes, it, it really is an amazing place to work. What's great about it is that you get people who don't necessarily think about Microsoft you know, and their podcasters and their podcast listeners hearing uh, you know, these stories and technology uh, from Microsoft executives, people that they would not necessarily have access to uh, just you know, living inside their uh, JavaScript world or Ruby or whatever it is. And then, you know, we bring them here and we, we give them access to these people and they take it back. And now they're, they're expanding their reach and they're expanding uh, their uh, knowledge to include all the great stuff that jibes with their technology back home. Carl started Donnet Rocks back in 2002, which is uh, about two years before the word podcast even existed. I came on board in 2005 on show 100. And here at Build, we recorded show 1,550. Yeah, we've been doing it a while. A little while. And I also have a show called Run As Radio, which is an IT show. started later in 2007. But uh, I think i got 580 in the can now. Yeah. And Dimitri, none of this would be possible without you signing off, I hear. Well, it was a bit crazy. So, yeah, I'm Dimitri Lylan, and I've been kind of with this effort since the beginning. Rich was like, I have this crazy idea. I just said, okay, let's make it happen. People didn't think we could. It was too late. It was no budget. It was, you know, whatever. All these stupid excuses. So I came up to Brock. I'm like, I think I can find the money. I think Rich, you can help us organize it. I need somebody to help us run it. Can you help? Where can they find out more about your shows, more about what you do online? Well, our show is .NET Rocks. It's, you know, period N-E-T, R-O-C-K-S, or .NET Rocks.com, D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S.com. Or just search for it in your favorite podcast uh, directory. Directory. We're in them all. We're in them all. I'm just Barat on uh, Twitter, Barat spot at Twitter. But, Can you uh, spell that for everybody? Uh, B-H-A-R-A-T, S, uh, the letter S, uh, and then B. H-A-T. So, um, Perfect. And Dimitri? I'm easy on Twitter. It's going to be uh, Lylan.com. That's L-Y-A-L-I-N-D-O-T-C-O-M. That's my Twitter handle. It's, I'm easy to find. Perfect. Easy. Thank you so much for putting together Podcast Central and making this magical experience happen for everybody and spending the time on the Women in Tech Podcast. Yeah, thank you, Esprit. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.